0: Good morning, OneChurch.tv. How are you guys doing out there? Fantastic. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to say a huge Happy Father's Day to you guys. In fact, if you're sitting next to a guy and you have a root beer, I want you to lean over and dink it. Let me hear it. Alrighty then. That's a good sound right there, especially in church. (laughs) Woo! Come on now. Are y'all with me? Are y'all excited about being here today? And I am so excited about being here as well. We're in week four of our Serk series, and I just want to simply say for those—it's Dad's Day. Uh, All of us, we have a dad, uh, and and some of it, I tell you, I've realized my dad loves hunting. He loves fishing, and my dad—I realize he's a much better hunter than he is a fisherman. He is. He's killed all kinds of stuff with a gun and uh, all kinds of stuff. But I tell you, fishing is not his forte. It just isn't. I'll never forget that. Um, one day, he I was probably eighth grade. He says, hey, let's go fishing at Dunbar Cave Lake. Anybody remember when Dunbar Cave had a lake there? Awesome. Now it's kind of like a, 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 a field of weeds. Thank you, city of Clarksville. Um, and uh, hopefully one day here in the next millennium, they will fix that dam and um, uh, so, but uh, uh, I, it's actually when they actually had water in it. And I remember we went fishing and uh, we sat for six hours thinking that we were going to catch a bunch of stuff for supper. And really what we ended up doing is we end up getting, uh, became mosquitoes for supper. They just uh, fed on us and we didn't catch anything, not one nibble. And I learned something that day um, that I hate fishing. And uh, if you're here and you like fishing, good for you. You probably like NASCAR and camping too. Like, woo, Right? But I am just not a fisher. I love hunting. hunting. Here's the thing I've learned about hunters, the difference between hunting and fishing. And it's simply this, is hunters lie and wait, while fishers, fishermen, they wait and lie. Isn't that right? I mean, they wait, they don't catch your bite. Well, I almost had one. In fact, my friend Dave Thompson, Dave Thompson said he went fishing yesterday. He says, man, I had the biggest largemouth bass. I mean, he hit, and, and, and then right when I was getting ready to pull it into the boat, uh, you know, the knot from the uh, hook, you know, came unraveled. And I'm like, right. Right? I mean, because we've all been there. We are. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, well, one of the things that I've, as we're kind of talking through the shark series, I realize that I have to talk about a story. I mean, it's shark series, right? Shark series. So I have to talk about the biggest fish story in the Bible. In fact, many people have just called this a fisherman tale. It's just another big, huge, gigantic fish story. And the story that I'm referring to is the story of Jonah and the. Well, exactly right. It's kind of the jaws of the Bible. It's the most famous fish story found in the Bible. And I just want to go on record. I believe it is true. I believe that actually what happened to Jonah is true. And let me tell you the reason why I believe it's true. It's not because it's just in the Bible. Yeah, that's good. But Jesus believed it to be true. And Jesus, he rose from the dead. So I'm just like going with the guy who beat death, right? So I'm like, okay, I believe it. And not only that, I believe it's true because we have over three different circumstances where we've seen people getting swallowed by sharks or or fish or a whale, and they've lived to tell about it. You ought to Google that sometime. Don't Google it now. All right, but a little bit later, right? So, but we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. And even if you don't believe in the story of Jonah and the whale, that's going to be okay because we're going to pull back the lens for a little bit and we're going to look at the entire picture and story found in the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah, he is a prophet. In fact, let me just kind of show you up on the screen. Here is an overview of the entire Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. We have law, we have history, we have wisdom, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Song of Solomon. We have the major prophets, and they're major because they're big. There's a lot of chapters in them. that's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then you have the what? The minor prophets. Now, they're minor not because they have a minor message. They're minor because they're smaller. And in the, in the uh, whole conglomerate of these minor prophets, we see Jonah. Jonah is a prophetic book. Now, prophetic books of the Bible usually tend to carry with them messages that are difficult for people to hear, especially religious people. So today, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a religious person, today's message is going to be difficult for you. I want to say that up front because at the end of the message, you're going to go, man, is he angry at me? I'm not. I'm just preaching God's word to you today. It is going to be in your face it's going to challenge you to your very core of some of the things that you believe because that's what prophets did in the bible something also about prophetic books though is that they carry messages and themes that apply to us today as well not just to a group of people 3000 years ago they're actually prophetic they speak to us today those who are even though it was in the future he has a message for us today so We're going to be looking at a God just like you and me on Father's Day, a God by the name of Jonah. All right, here we go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord gave the message to, everybody say it. Jonah, get up and what? Get up and go. What is God going to say? Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. And says, you know what, if they don't change, my judgment's going to come. But really, just him sending the message beforehand is saying, I want them to experience my love. I want them to experience the graciousness of God. And God's word says, Jonah, he says, get up and what? Go. But, verse 3, Jonah got up and went in the, what does it say? Opposite direction. Why? To get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. By the way, Tarshish is in Spain. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So instead of obeying God and going to Nineveh, by the way, Nineveh is 550 miles this direction on land, Jonah goes, uh-uh, and he decides to go 2,500 miles in this direction on sea. Isn't that a little crazy? Now, before you and I become a little too judgmental and go, oh, that poor Jonah, I, I want to let you know that it's, it, God's ask was a big one. It was a really big ask because, number one, God's request for Jonah to go to Nineveh would have been a very, very long trip. 550 miles today, that's 10 hours in a car, or if you are riding with me, eight but in but in that time it was going to take him about a month of traveling probably on a camel and those jokers got some humps right it's a it's a it's going to be horrible it was going to be difficult it was going to be uncomfortable uncomfortable it was going to be so uncomfortable, he was going to have to leave family and lifestyles behind to go to a place that was unfamiliar and uncommon, and that sounds like a really big ask, but this is exactly what God is asking of Jonah, to go to Nineveh. But there's a second reason that this was very difficult for Jonah, is because Jonah didn't like the people in Nineveh. Nineveh was in Assyria, Jonah was from Israel. The Assyrians were mortal enemies of the Israelites. And another one of God's prophets, Nahum, he was one of the minor prophets during that time. During Jonah's time, Nahum is speaking against the hypocrisy of God's people, the Israelites. And this is what Nahum's message was. Israel, if you don't get your act together, I'm going to raise up Nineveh to come and discipline you and to destroy you. So Jonah's like, I ain't talking to those people. It, It would be like, Uh, God asking a bunch of us to go to North Korea, and I want you to go and speak uh, uh, to the people in North Korea that God loves them, and you're like, nay, nay, I'm not doing that, I am not going to North Korea, it's a long flight, it's a long boat ride, whatever it is, and I don't want to get killed, so God says, go tell my people, the people that you don't love, Jonah, the people who are far away from me, Jonah, go and tell them about me. It was an uncomfortable request. And this is where I think the theme and the plot of this story applies to you and applies to me as well. I think this is where the prophetic nature of Jonah's story reaches into our lives because the request is, in fact, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. In fact, can you say that word with me? Uncomfortable. What I want you to understand today is from the story of Jonah is that God is more concerned about his mission than your comfort. And see, nobody amen that. And the reason why is we're comfortable, right? We just like being comfortable. You see, Jonah is more interested in keeping the Israelites safe comfortable, he would rather the people of Nineveh go to hell than for him to be uncomfortable. Here's our big idea today. God's mission is about reaching people, not keeping people comfortable. Did you know that? God's mission is about reaching people, not keeping people comfortable. God is more concerned about his mission than your comfort. God isn't interested in keeping you comfortable. Well, now, I know that's hard for some of us to understand. I get that. For many, it may, it may be it's hard for you to comprehend or internalize. Uh, and, and you insinuate today, that, well, then God doesn't care about me? No, 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 no. God does care about you. God loves you. God does care about you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But you do need to understand that since the dawn of the beginning of time, God has been on mission. He's been on a mission from God. That's, by the way, that was a Blues Brothers quote. Nobody caught it in 9 o'clock service either. So he is in a mission to bring his lost children back home, a mission to connect those who do not know him, who are far from him, who do not have a relationship with him. Jesus, by the way, is on the same mission. In fact, this is what Jesus says in Luke 19.10, that the Son of Man came to look for and to save people who are lost. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus is on the same mission. He invites you and I to be on the same mission from God, right? But here's the thing. Sometimes... Sometimes Jesus is on this specific mission to look for, to seek and to save people who are lost, to bring his lost children back home, a mission to pursue people who are far from God, and God is far more concerned about his work in the world, his goals in the world, his plans, and his agenda, than he is your agenda, and your plans, and your goals, and your to-do list. Sometimes that means, it means we have to get pretty uncomfortable. Sometimes it means that God asks of us things to do that make us feel very uncomfortable. But think about this, y'all. God actually invites us to be a part of his mission. Did you know that? God actually invites you. He is inviting you this morning. He is inviting me. He is inviting everybody who's listening to the podcast. He's inviting everybody who's watching online right now. To be a part of his mission. And I know today you've got your own mission. You've got your own agenda. You've got some things that you want to check off of your to-do list. And you want some things that you want to experience. You've got a bucket list. I get that. But would you just think about it for a minute? What if in this life you could be a part of something that was bigger than you? What if in this life you could involve your life this something that's most important to your heavenly father? And there is nothing more important to your heavenly father than those people who are far away from God. That's exactly the message that God gives Jonah. You can be a part of God's mission. You can. And yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be difficult at times. And yes, God's mission doesn't always revolve around you. So Jonah hears this and he says, I didn't sign up for this. And he runs in the opposite direction. So he's on a boat now, running from God, which is kind of funny. I mean, you think about it. How in the world are you going to run away from God? I mean, God created everything, right? He created everything, He created the water and the land. And you're going to try to run away from God? Come on, right? But look what happens, verse 4. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to what? break up the ship. So the captain of the ship says, this is the worst storm I've ever seen. Jonah's on a boat. The storm blows in. God is the one who's hurling the powerful storm. Worst storm the captain has ever seen. They're all thinking they're going to die. And the crew comes to a consensus that God must be angry with Jonah. So they take Jonah and they throw him overboard. And then they go on their merry way. The storm dies down. But this is the part of the story that everybody knows, right? I mean, the part of the story where God, you know, sends a great fish and rescues Jonah from drowning, and the fish opens up his big mouth, it must have been a largemouth bass, swallows up Jonah, and Jonah lives in the belly of the fish for how long? Three days and three nights until Jonah comes to the end of himself, he prays to God, and then the fish gets a little bit of acid reflex a little bit of indigestion, and bleh, and belches up Jonah, up on dry land. And then Jonah is there. Imagine, he is goopy, he's slimy, fish, fish guts all over him, right? And, and, and he's got a choice. Am I going to obey God? And I just want to simply say this. This is a story that everybody knows. And some of you You've been through some stormy waters recently. There's been some nights in the dark for you recently. There's been, some of you, I know because I've talked to you, I've prayed with you. I've spoken with some of you over the, uh, over, over the phone. You feels like you've been thrown overboard in the middle of a stormy situation. For some of you, you may not know this, but you will survive it. And for others of you, you've been there, you have survived it. You came through it. You look back over the course of your life and you're like, I don't know how I made it through those times I don't know how I made it through that. I shouldn't even be here today. Can I just tell you That god was preserving you For his mission Not for your mission Not for your agenda Not to complete your task, but god brought you through some of your darkest times So that he could use you and use those difficult times to make much of him in his mission that's exactly what God does with Jonah. God preserves Jonah, and Jonah finally obeys and goes to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh, and he actually does what God asked him to do. He preaches a sermon, and you'll never believe what happens next. Hundreds of thousands of people of the Ninevites all come into a relationship with God. Jonah preaches a message, and they're like, okay. Sign me up. I want, I want to go. I want to go to church. I want to be baptized. I want to do this. And Jonah's like, what? Well, what? I, mean, I mean, the people of Nineveh received the love of God. Their lives are transformed. The city, city is literally turned upside down because of Jonah. And Jonah has been wildly successful. He's, I mean, he's carried the message of God to a people he hated, but yet God loved. He's been so successful that the next part of this story is kind of what makes you just leaving you scratching your head and saying, what? What? Get a load of this. The people of Nineveh received God's love. Jonah isn't happy about it. Verse 10 of chapter 3. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Woo! Yes! Right? Right? Look at this. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became what? Very angry. I mean, really? I mean, Jonah is the Billy Graham of of his time. He went down, he preached like a 10-word message in the original Hebrew, and everybody gets saved, and Jonah is ticked. He's angry. He's mad about it. He would rather they burn than turn. But yet they turn to God and his love. Verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say this before I left home, that you would do this, God? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. So this is the reason why Jonah runs in the opposite direction. Jonah wanted to keep people comfortable, not reach people. Jonah wanted to be the center of attention and to be comfortable. And he had rather people go to hell than to get out of his comfort zone. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And then look at what he says. Just kill me now. By the way, if I was God, I would have said, your wish is my command. You done. Bye Right? So, I'd rather be dead than alive. Then Jonah went out to the east of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. This is what Jonah did. Here's a picture of, of what Jonah did right here. Now, for Father's Day, how many fathers you have seen a two-year-old do this? All right. Uh, mothers, how many times your has your... Has your husband done this? Don't raise your hand, all right? Really? I mean, like a two-year-old. They get angry. They get mad. They stomp the foot, right? And then they're going to go and sit in a corner and isolate themselves. And they always do those loud, those sighs, right? So that everybody, oh, you still over there? You still ticked? Build a bridge and get over it, Right? But over there, just like a two-year-old, just like a two-year-old, Jonah's doing the exact same thing. He's over sitting in a huff, watching to see what's going to happen to the city, hoping that maybe this whole love of God thing didn't work out, and maybe they're all going to get burned up in hell, right? I mean, he's kind of hoping, man, God, I hope you're seeing this because I'm not happy about what you're done. But God is about to teach Jonah a lesson. And let me just simply say this. It's prophetic. He's getting ready to teach you a lesson too and me a lesson as well. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. As soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head and shading him from the sun. (sighs) Excuse me. (sighs) Jonah's comfortable again. He's got some sun, he's got some shade, a, a cool breeze is blowing through. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Jonah has some relief. God has given Jonah some relief by making this viney plant grow up over Jonah to give him some shade from the sun to ease his discomfort. And Jonah is now happy, happy, happy. The Lord is providing some shade, providing some comfort. A little nice breeze is blowing, and it's like, oh, this is nice. Jonah's thinking, God really must love me, because God has provided for my comfort, and now I feel happy. Until what happens next? Verse 7. At dawn the next day, God sent a what? What does it say? God sent a worm Uh uh-oh, to attack the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God, what, made a hot east wind blow. The sun beat down on Jonah's head, so he was about to faint. And he wanted to what? Again, if I was God, lightning bolt. You done. Thank you. I'll see you in just a second, right? He says, I'd rather be dead than alive. You took my vine, Lord. Lord. I mean, all of this is in the Bible. This is the reason why you should read the Bible, right? I mean, this is some amazing, amazing story right here. What you miss when we don't read the Bible, you got a guy who God speaks and sends on a fantastic mission. And rather than obeying this mission, he disobeys it, and he goes in the opposite direction. So because the mission is so important to God, God sends a storm. Everybody say, sends a storm. He sends a storm, and then he gets thrown, Jonah gets thrown overboard, and then God sends a fish. Say, sends a fish. He sends a fish, and he's he's in the fish for three days, three nights. God actually makes the fish belch him up, and then he preaches. He does what God calls him to do, fulfills his mission, and then he's angry about it. So God sends a plant. Say, send a plant. He sent a plant, and now he's happy. He's comfortable until God, say it with me, sends a worm to eat the plant, and then God sends a hot wind. Do you know in the book of Jonah, everybody obeys God except the prophet? You know what I'm saying? You got the fish, you got the storm, you got the waves, you got the wind, you got the worm, you got the plant, you got the hot wind, and when God calls his people, hey, I want you to do this, we're like, Mm -mm. God still has that same problem today. Do you know that? And he's got it with you and he's got it with me. Everything obeys God except Jonah. Can we all just take a vote? It's gotten a little absurd, right? This is an absurd story. Let me see. How many of y'all you think is pretty absurd? Let me see your hands. If you're not raising your hands, you're absurd, right? This is cray-cray. It is. How in the world is it possible, Jonah, that you've lived all through this entire story? You've seen what God do, you've seen what God showed up and did, and now you're crying over a plant that just died? Really? I mean, you got so attached to your plant that you're crying because it's dead? Oh, my gosh. But perhaps the absurdity of the story and perhaps the -the over-the-top nature of the story is because it's actually... It's actually given to mimic our lives. It's prophetic. Remember the five categories, minor prophets? Jonah is a message not just for that time, but for all time, and especially for us today. It's a picture of us. The story is us. We are all at some level. We're Jonah. And his story is our story because we think, listen to me, we think that God exists for our comfort. That's what we think. Jonah's story is our story because we think God exists for our comfort when, in all reality, we exist for God and his mission. You see, we we think God gives us plants and stuff for us to enjoy, and we've got so attached to our plants, it's just, it's, it's we, we don't want to use it for God's mission. The story of Jonah, how absurd, how absurd would it be that you would find meaning in a plant? Well, let's, pull back and let's look at us today. How absurd would you find meaning and purpose in the significance from a car, from a house, from a bank account, from a 401k, from what other people think about you? How absurd is it that you and I allow our emotions to be dictated by that which grows over our own heads one day and withers the next? God gives. God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How absurd when we live our lives and we're driven by what makes us most comfortable than by living our lives by the mission of God itself. I tell you, what, we, what you and I have, what we're inviting to use our stuff and our plants to God, we're, we're, God gives us stuff so that we can put that towards God's mission. That's exactly what it is. But if you take everything God gives you, if you line up all of your leafy, viney plants that God has given you, and then you use them all for your comfort, you've missed out on why God gave them to you in the first place. That is absurd as Jonah and his little plant. It's absurd. This is why I'm so often inspired by so many people who give and the stories to give of people here at OneChurch.tv. I'm inspired by what people give to our operating budget, and that allows what everything that we're able to do today and you first experience that, but also to our bold initiative, which allows us to create a permanent location and to start new locations. That's what bold is. It's where we've invited people to pray boldly, to give boldly, to invite boldly, and for us to launch more campuses boldly than ever before, for us to secure a permanent location. Let me tell you about two stories today. I had a, a family call me this past week and said, by the way, I want to let you know, I'm having trouble with my giving. And uh, I, they give online, and they said, you know, when I, I, I've checked to make sure it's not anything with my bank account, and it wasn't, and it may be something with you guys's. So uh, my tithe is going through, but we give over and above what God calls us to give, 10%. And they made a commitment, a two-year commitment to give to Bowl. And by the way, that two-year commitment ended in May. They, by the way, have completed their commitment, and they're still giving because that's how much they believe in the mission of our church. And this person called and says, hey, it's, it's not working. You might want to check it on your end because if we're experienced in this, other people might as well. And I just I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for you how you give. I love that. And uh, let me tell you about another couple. I love this couple to death. This couple, the man got a a better job, the job that was paying six figures, six figures. And because his income went up and their income went up, they gave more, they tithed more, the 10% went up, but then they said, we're going to give over and above to bold. And they were in this job for a season, and then he had an opportunity to, to take another job that was a, 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 a little bit better. It allowed him to do some things differently with priorities, but it was going to a, be a huge pay cut. One-fifth of their salary was going to be gone just like that, tens of thousands of dollars. And the wife said, you know what, you can take that job, but our tithing and our giving to bold will not change. So they are giving way over 10%. I, you know, when I, when I listen to people like that, it just encourages me. Because you and I, we have been invited on a mission with God. I love that. And, and, and I, the reason why I like both of these couples is that when you have the right perspective of your stuff, that God will give you the right perspective of your life. That's just the truth. And some of you, you have that right perspective. And I want to say thank you. And others, your perspective is all, is all kind of jacked up. And it's not about that we want something from you, from you. We want something for you. We want you to know how it feels to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, to invite you to be on God's mission. And look at what it says in verse 9. Then God asked Jonah, what right do you have to be angry over this plant? Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you think about this. This is seriously what Jonah and God are talking about right now. They are talking horticulture. Right? I mean, it's kind of comical if you think about it. Hundreds of thousands of people have come to know God through Jonah's message, and Jonah is ticked about some poison ivy. He is. So many, often, so many times God often used circumstances, stuff, situations, to surface emotions and point us to something deeper in our hearts. And that's exactly what God is doing with Jonah. This is the prophetic part of the message. God will often use what makes you feel uncomfortable. God will often use the things that cause you to have an emotional outburst. God will often use the things that you hold on to tangibly so that he can speak to you about something much deeper, your heart. See, if you get uncomfortable when I talk about money, I get uncomfortable when I talk about money. I do. And some of you think, oh, this is just a money message. No, it's not. This is a mission message. Because 88% of people in Clarksville do not go to church anywhere. That's 125,274 people who don't go to church right now. And you see, we started this church 10 years ago to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And let me tell you, I just got to brag on what you guys have done. Over the past 10 years, 10 years, over 10,000 people have come through these doors. Do you know that? I think we need to give God a huge <laughs> clap for that. 10,000 people. I don't want to brag on one family right now because they were a part of one church almost from the very beginning, and then they PCS. They went to South Kakalaki. Right? And they're actually here, getting ready. they're actually going to Fort Carson in Colorado. It's the Alvarez's. I love seeing people who they left and they come back, and man, it just, it's so exciting. They're part of God's big story. And guess what? So are you. And over the past 10 years, 10,000 people have come to know Jesus Christ. Excuse me, 10,000 people have come through our doors. We've had over 1,200 people come to know Jesus Christ. Now, 700 people have been baptized over the past Ten years. And guess what? The the best is yet to come. Our next ten years, I want to reach another 10,000 people. I want to reach another 1,200 people for Jesus Christ. I want to see 700 more people get baptized. Man, that just stokes me up. And some of you, let me go back. i got to finish my notes here. Jonah says, I have every right to be angry. I'm so angry, I want to. What? Third time's a charm. Okay, bye, you gone, right? But look at this. Jonah's a little dramatic. He's probably a firstborn child, right? That stings. I'm a firstborn, by the way. Verse 10, the Lord replied, this plant grew up overnight and died overnight. You're, you didn't plant it or make it grow, yet you feel sorry for the plant. Shouldn't I feel sorry, God says, for this important city, Nineveh? It has more than 120,000 people in it, as well as many animals. These people couldn't tell their right hand from their left. In other words, Jonah, let me just clue you in to this whole purpose of this whole plant thing. Let me just draw you in. This is a picture, Jonah. This is a picture of what's important to me. This is given to you so that you can have the clearest image possible of what I really care about, Jonah. You know how you care about that plant? that dumb old poison ivy plant? Let me tell you what I care about. I care about people, Jonah. Jonah, you know how when that plant flourished, you felt happy? And when the plant was in despair, you felt sad? When my people flourish, I get happy. God says when my people hurt, I hurt along with them. Jonah, the way you feel about your plant, your stuff... Your car, your house, your 401k, your plans, your hopes, your dreams, your agendas. I feel that and a thousand percent more because I value people. That's what God says. Oh, so this is just bigger than this whole plant thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole lot bigger than that. It's just a visual to let you know, Jonah, I love people who are far from and disconnected from me. Now it makes sense. that This is a prophetic story about the intense, immeasurable, passionate, pursuing love of God. By the way, if you're here and you don't know the love of God, let me just simply tell you that God brought you here today so that you would understand the most important thing on his heart today. Is it how you act? It isn't what you drank last night. It isn't what bar you were at last night. It isn't what you wear, who you're dating, where you've been. The most important thing on God's heart today is that you would know him because he longs to know you. It's the reason why he brought you here. This prophetic picture of this story of the Old Testament is of a loving God who wants nothing more than for us to feel and experience His love. God wants nothing more for us to join Him in His mission so that others might experience His love. But you know what's so crazy? This story ends a little weird. If it hadn't been more absurd up to this point, let's put that last verse up there. Should I have not have compassion on Nineveh, this great city, which had 120,000? By the way, I don't think that's a, that, that's a coincidence today that 125,274 people are not going to church today. God cares about Clarksville. God is for Clarksville. And guess what, church? So should we be. God's the apple of his eye. Look at this. But look how it ends. through. They're, they light in the left hand as well as many, what does it say? Animals, and then how does it end? It ends with a question mark. Who ends a story with a question mark? Right? I mean, this is the last verse of the last chapter of Jonah. There is no more. We don't know how this ends. Who ends a story with a question mark? Well, God does, because it's a prophetic book which means it's an open-ended question, which means we don't know how Jonah is going to answer this question, and I don't know how you're going to answer this question as well. Are you just going to focus on on your leafy things in your life? Are you just going to focus on your stuff and all of your things that just make you so comfortable? Are you going to focus on God's mission, which is always people? It's always people. God's mission is about reaching people, not keeping people comfortable. God is more concerned about his mission than your comfort. So my challenge to you is, will you be Jonah? Today, will you be Jonah? Will you run from God? Will you reach people or just focus on keeping people comfortable? It's prophetic for you and me. For some of you, we got six months left of this year. And my challenge for you, if you've made a promise to for bold, and, and some of you, you're 80% there. I just want to cheer you on. I want to say thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. For others of you, you're 50% of the way there. You still got time. There are many of you, though, that said, you know what, I made a promise. And I did nothing with it. I just took all God's leafy plants and I just wasted it on my comfort. Well. You still have six months. We are this close to breaking ground. We are this close to creating a permanent location, uh, a fob here in Clarksville where people, even when people leave like the Alvarez's, people, new people are coming. And some people will come back and that they have a home. They are welcome. So my challenge, if, even if you weren't here two years ago we started this, you can get on board now you be gentle. As I close, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. For some of you, you don't have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. God is longing so badly to have a relationship with you. No one looking around. Some of you, you just need to begin that relationship right need to hear that you are valuable, that you are loved. So today, if you're here and you don't know Him, I'm just going to simply invite you to say, Jesus, I want to know you. Just say it silently right there. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want my sin to be forgiven by you. I want to be made right with you. I want to live my life for you. That's what it's all about. For those who prayed this prayer, you just began an experience, an adventure with your Heavenly Father that will never end. It is for eternity. I'm getting ready to leave here and I'm getting ready to go to a funeral of a dear man that I loved. And what God's word says is to be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord. And some of you, the farthest thing from you that you're experiencing right now is, well, I'm going to die one day. But the truth is, 100% of us in this theater will die. Where will you spend eternity? You're here and this is your church. I'm going to ch- I want to let you know one of the things that we say on our vision is simply this. we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend. And so many times people they misunderstand that and they say, well we, we don't love church people. No, that's not it at all. We love church people. God values church people. I value church people. but it's probably more than even what you think because you are here to get on mission for the lost. That's the reason why you and I exist, is to make God's name great here in this town, here in this city, with the 120,000 people who do not know them. Are you going to join? Are you going to be a part? If you are, let's get on board. Let's get on with this mission. I'm going to invite you next week to show up for week five, the last week of this. Go ahead. Everybody put your hands up. Go ahead. Shark series, right? All right, that's next week, and we're going to teach teach you some more about how to fish for people. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us at OneChurch.tv. You're dismissed. Go be the church.